Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence with psychiatrist Bernard David Beitman, MD. Dr. Beitman is the founder of the Coincidence Project. The project encourages people like you to tell each other coincidence stories. To learn more about Dr. Beitman's work, put Connecting with Coincidence in your web browser. You'll find his book, his Psychology Today blog, and the interviews from this podcast. And now your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Please like and subscribe us by pushing those buttons underneath me. I have. <laughs> Does the phoenix arise from the ashes? Can tragedy lead to rebirth? Is it a form of reincarnation? Did anything good come from the assassinations of John Kennedy, his brother Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, or John Lennon? Could anything good come from the 1988 terrorist bombing of Pan Am Flight 103 over Lockerbie, Scotland? All 259 people on board were killed and 11 individuals on the ground also died. Coincidences abound in times like this, as our guest today will tell us. In 2008, her husband and 13-year-old daughter were killed in a hotel in Mumbai, India, by terrorists who were occupying the hotel. Kiyashur has spent 20 years studying, practicing, and teaching at the Sanctuary Holistic Retreat Center in Virginia. After her husband and daughter were killed in Mumbai, Kia founded co-founded One Life Alliance to teach peace and education programs based on love, compassion, and forgiveness. She is the author of A Pocketbook of Peace, a guidebook to transforming life with love. He has spent six years in Mumbai, India, working with business, education, and police. Her latest book, Forgiveness is a Choice, was released by Penguin House India on December 20th, 2021. She is also featured in two documentary films, Rubaru Roshni on Netflix, and There's Got to Be More to Life, Rising from Trauma to Thriving. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence, Kia. Thank you. It's good to have you here. Um, we met through a visit through what's also called Synchronicity Foundation, where yes. you... <laughs> Where you are a resident and have been there for a while, and that's where you and yes. your husband were living at the time of this of this incident, which of course I read about in the newspaper and wondered who is Synchronicity Foundation and how who are these people that it <laughs> happened to, and now I am talking after all these years to a person directly involved with it. Um, tell us about. Uh, important coincidences in your life that are probably related to that incident? There's a couple of things. I guess we could, if, if, if we want to begin with even a couple of years before where I didn't realize it was a, co a coincidence. Here at Synchronicity, we, um, we meditate, but we also were paying attention to 
um, lucid dreaming. So dreams that would come up that we would then um, look at, take a look at that in relation to our lives. But there was an image that came in a dream and it was very short, a snippet, but it was very clear. It was very clear. And I was walking along a street with Jackie Kennedy of all people. And she was wearing a pink suit with her hat and she had her arm around me and she was saying some things to me. I couldn't hear the words. All I know is that we were very close and it was as if she was giving me advice or um, consoling me about something and also giving me some advice or, or something. That's all I know. And that, that was an image that really stood out. I wasn't particularly studying Kennedy's or the assassination at all at that time. Um, then the, the trip to India was... And, and, and what we talked about uh, before the show began was that that was Jackie Kennedy possibly uh, consoling you uh, as another woman whose husband had been killed uh, by terrorists. Right. And as we're speaking, I'm remembering something else. This was a dream that my daughter had. Now, there, she was sponsored to go on this trip with everybody. They were all going to go to Mumbai for two weeks. Um, our spiritual director had his spiritual training and awakening and studying with um, a meditation master uh, at an ashram outside of Mumbai, Ganeshpuri, with Swami Muktananda. And so they were going to go to Mumbai and introduced high-tech meditation and visit temples and all of that. So there are about 25 people signed up for this and someone paid for my daughter to go as a educational experience. She was being homeschooled at the time. And about two weeks before their trip, she came running into the laundry room where I was folding clothes and, you know, that morning and she had just woken up and she was all scared and panicked. Uh, and she said, I, I just had a, a nightmare. I said, well, what is it? And she said, well, dad and I were sitting in a restaurant and these men came in shooting everybody. I said, oh, and I said, well, it's just a dream. And, and I knew she was, she was taking exams through her homeschooling. We were in a, a register a homeschooling program. So she had exams and various things and, and also was applying to a private school and had been studying for that had just taken a big exam, actually. And I thought, you know, maybe it's the stress of, of the exams and your schoolwork and getting ready to go. It would, it would be her first plane ride, first time she's been on a plane, certainly first time left the, the country. So honestly, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think, oh, my God, what's going to happen? I just thought this, she was stressed, and I comforted her as mothers do. Don't worry about it, honey. It's just a dream. Don't worry about it. Sometimes it's just some stress. It's okay. Um, I really never gave it a second thought after that, to be honest. Well, there's, and then, there's no reason for you to have given it a second thought. That's yeah. what's a problem about these partial precognitive dreams. Yeah. You can't really sometimes know what it means because it's too outrandishly improbable yeah that you'd be involved with a, an so and so another just small bit right before we get to me going to florida to see my family while they were in mumbai i they left 
And I thought, okay, gosh, this is the first time I've ever had time to myself, no husband, no children. I'd already raised two. I'd never been on my own. So there I was. I thought, well, how can I make the best use of this time? And I was at a sanctuary. So it was going to be of a spiritual nature because that was the nature of this place. So I go into, at the time, we had a small little library with all kinds of books stuffed in there. And I go in and I, I just happened to be drawn to this little book called Forgiveness. I just picked that out. I set it on my desk. I don't even think I opened it up. It was just called forgiveness. I just stuck it there. And so that was one thing. And the other thing is I decided I, I'm going to create a, an intention for these two weeks. And I just found this recently in a journal from that time. I wrote down and then my intention was I wanted to um, connect to divine love. I wanted to, I wanted to have a deeper experience of divine love because here I had a chance to have more of an inward experience and I just also set that aside and then off I go to Florida so the next bigger one happened in Florida if you would like me to continue please do so I arrive in Florida um and my sons had paid for the ticket and I was staying at my sister's little house. My mother lived next door. So it was a big family affair happening. And um, so I arrived there on a uh, Tuesday. And then on Wednesday morning, I, first of all, another thing that was odd, I, I woke up uh, in the, just the back of my head, like at the right back in here, I, I had this pain in the back of my back of my neck um I woke up and I thought that's odd so I just take an aspirin and then I'm going for a walk and it was around noon or so um on Wednesday so India's about nine and a half hours ahead at nine or ten whatever but it was evening there I hadn't gotten an email from them they were thought oh that's odd I usually hear from them in the morning um no email that day but going for a walk just enjoying palm trees and bright skies it's very warm and I'm just walking around this little neighborhood this little senior community um, you know little homes it's a 55 plus community that my mother moved to gated and all that and then I'm walking along the street and it was really odd because there were all these playing cards splashed out there was a puddle it rains in Florida uh, uh, you know in the afternoons and there was these playing cards it's like someone had just drop them or toss them I thought oh that's odd and I bent down and one of them was set apart from the others it was the queen of hearts as you could see there's a little bit of splashing this was as cleaner than most a little bit of splash of mud there on that I thought oh and for some reason I said oh, keep it queen of hearts I like that um and I just put it in my pocket and again I just forgot about it basically um so that afternoon at four o'clock, my mother and I were sitting down to watch Oprah Winfrey. I was preparing tea and some snacks, phone rings. And that's when I got the first phone call from our managing director at Synchronicity saying, Kia, turn on the news. Um, the Oberoi Hotel where they were staying has just been attacked by terrorists. And I just dropped the phone kind of and um, so we turn on CNN was covering this nonstop at that point, and there it is. 
but it was a Taj. And I, I thought, oh, that's a Taj. Maybe the Oberoi is okay. But it did include the Oberoi, actually. And, and they did not have cell phones. And you couldn't get through the hotels by that time. So we had to just wonder and wait. Um, we called various people we knew. I called the State Department. I said, I have family there. So they knew about it and um, would keep us informed. And, and then my son filed an I report with their photos because I got a phone call from Bobby a couple hours later saying everyone our group is accounted for except for Alan and Naomi. Um, we do know that Alan had taken a shot to the back of the head and Naomi was hiding under a table, but we don't know, they're missing. Um, and that's all they knew. And so my son filed their photos so that if case they were unconscious in a hospital with no IDs, somebody would report it and we'd find them. And then, so we started then doing that and CNN, then that was all over the news. And then relatives and friends were calling and calls from cousins that I have, haven't spoken to since we were kids from Texas saying, um, I'm starting a prayer trade. Give me all the details and all this stuff. Just we started getting all kinds of responses. And even some well-known spiritual teachers were creating meditations for us at Cartoli and different people that our director knew wanted to bring some prayers and meditations. All this was going on. So and it was Thanksgiving came and went and it was two day mornings later than I did finally get the confirmation call that they had both been shot and killed in the restaurant. So, and that's when my, you know, everything just kind of blew open in my life. And that was, I, oh, there's one little thing I'll insert here because again, it was like a bit of a premonition of kind, but didn't know what it meant. I drove them to Dulles Airport on November 14th. And on the way back, I stopped at a Chinese restaurant, Jade Gardens in this big shopping center. And I'm having my lunch. And at the end, they bring the fortune cookie, take it open. And it said, today your luck has changed forever. That's true. Now I thought, oh, that's odd. So I tucked that away again. So isn't that interesting of these kinds of things? And then, and then after that day, that phone call, my life changed. Now, what luck means, I took it to really mean, then I realized, oh, my life has changed forever. Forget about luck. <laughs> luck. And so that was that. And then um, the first message, internal kind of spiritual guidance I received was about forgiveness, actually. I didn't ask for it. I didn't. It was just that is what came when I... And then it's been a, a journey of creating an understanding of what it does really mean. But I did get that message about forgiveness. Forgive them. They know not what they do. I was reminded of the words of Christ. And I knew it was more than just a religious quote from the New Testament. It, there was more to it than that. It's hard to say much you've told that story before obviously you have, you've, you've lived it so much and yet even in the kind of uh, neutral way that you describe it uh, the terror and 
pain and grief are still there. And so I, I'm silenced a bit by uh, your experience. It's, but you know, what is interesting and it's about, and this, and it, it's interesting that today on The Wire in India, they um, printed an extract from the book about to come out, Forgiveness is a Choice. And the quote they chose to use was about that um, something about, it was something I wrote, and it was something about um, religious beliefs are on the surface. What's important is the connection of hearts, the connection of hearts. So this is what the outcome of this so there's two things here. And then I have part two of the playing cards. Okay, so um, Synchronicity has a website. It's a, you know, nonprofit. Let's, let's pause for a minute. Okay. Synchronicity Foundation is not about synchronicity. No, not in the traditional sense. What, uh, tell us what, syn what synchronicity means at the Synchronicity Foundation. Well, it's about an integrated flow of consciousness, you know, that meditation produces expansion of consciousness, which is creates an integrated flow of wholeness. It's about creating wholeness through balance. And we use technology to balance the brain. So that creates balance, wholeness, you know, fulfillment in life. And so it, it's about an integrated flow. Then life, when you're in balance, your life flows more easily. So it's about the flow of consciousness. Good, good. I just wanted to clarify yeah. that. So you were talking about what? So then messages started coming in from around the world. And to me, that was a pivotal point for me because now conceptually, we all would say, yeah, we're a world family. I believe in the world family. But when you start getting messages from the world family, they're addressed to you because they saw that your husband and daughter died and there was this picture of Alan and Naomi. So this touched people's hearts. So hearts connected to their heart. And then from their heart, they wrote to me, say, and I got messages from people in Peru, Israel and Pakistan and India, of course, all over the world. And I got this amazing message from that was signed about peace and that Naomi and, and Alan will live in our hearts forever. We send you our love from your Iranian family, Iran. Now, what? Uh, and, and so this is the kind of messages I was receiving. So the world family became personal to me after that. Yeah. That did, and that was about connection of hearts. So religion is what's words on the surface. What's underneath yeah. is the connection of hearts. Right. And, and I know one could argue religious beliefs are not surface. They're not superficial. They go very deep in people. These beliefs um, often in, affect how we operate in life um, and all that. So I didn't mean to say that superficial, but beliefs in general are on the surface because it was a story about that I told in the book about connections that you know, a Pakistani family visited us um, just that summer. It was in, okay, so a Pakistani family, the Muslims were Pakistani, but here's a Pakistani family living in Virginia, visited Synchronicity in the summer of 2008. My daughter made them almond cookies. We took them on a tour in a golf cart, Bernie, the same golf cart, probably, that you sat in, Bernie, that we went around on that same path when I took you and Doris. We did that, Naomi and I took them around. We had our almond cookies and our tea and all this. So then 
and they were setting up some foundation for world peace. And they wanted to know about technology and meditation and get an understanding of that. So they, and then they met our director, Master Charles Cannon and all that. So um, now after, when we were having our memorial service, I invited them to attend because I thought it was important. I knew that the, the terrorists were technically, supposedly Islamic, but I also knew from hearing from Muslims directly that Islam means peace and that this is not how they operate and they are not terrorists. And I, I knew that the terrorists had been trained in a training camp and they'd been brainwashed or whatever. So we can set that aside, whether they really believed it, that they were on jihad or whether they were doing it for the money that was given to their families, I don't know. But I do know the Muslims I met personally were about peace. And I felt rather than cause more division, then why don't we invite these Muslims who would visit us to our memorial service and have them speak and share a message, which they did. They shared from the um, ambassador to the US from Pakistan at that time. And there's a message that he gave to us. So all that happened. Um, so I think, that, you're, I think you may be trying to tell us how this tragedy of your life connected you with lots of different hearts in the world. Yes. I think you are trying yes. to tell us that. And I, I think you're absolutely right. And that's what I eventually went to Mumbai. And in, the, in that, of course, I met a lot of people. But OK, so five, I've been going to Mumbai since 2010. So by the time we get, I'd been going for three years by this. So 2013, I'm there. And I start spending more time there, months at a time, because I was wanting to network with business police and schools and all that. So I'm walking to an Indian business group meeting and I'm walking along Marine Drive. And Mumbai, when you cross the street, you're taking the, your life in your hands. Doesn't matter about red lights or green men or red, no, it's just you run. I mean, even though it says you could walk, that's no guarantee that you are gonna be safe walking across that street. But I was bracing myself. I happened to look down as I'm crossing this four lane big city street and I saw this playing card face down. Now, no other cards, it was this one. So I said, oh, that's odd. So I pick it up. <laughs> the king of hearts. <laughs> and what did, this, what, what, what did this one mean to you, the queen and then well, the king? It has a lot of meanings on different levels. Now, actually today when I looked at it again, and I also, I have a more broad understanding. It, you could create a romantic meeting out of that because by that time I was wanting to meet people and I thought I should have some friends. They should be, I should also have some male friends. Now on one level, I did meet someone actually that night that turned out to be significant in and other connections, which actually led to the publishing of my book and various other things. But if, if you look at, here's another thing I noticed about these cards. Now there's hundreds of thousands of card decks, right? Now they have different backs. Yeah, yeah. But Oops. look at this, they're the same size and look at the print on the cards, it's the same. Yeah, it's, a, it's the same card. 
I mean, yeah. same, same deck. They design. could have come from the same deck, except that the backs are yeah. different. And it's a pretty standard, that's a pretty standard uh, look for playing cards. Um, yes. There are different versions of them. There's all well. kinds, all <coughs> kinds. But so anyway, so, so I. It meant, it, so it, you did form a relationship which led to uh, book publishing. Right. But I think the bigger meaning of the King of Hearts is that it was looking for I, you know, uh, there was something that was my heart was broken, of course, with the attacks and a part of me was fragmented and and I my, I experienced my renewal and rebirth in life in my up in Mumbai, where my husband and daughter were killed. And so the King of Hearts, to me, you have the negative and the positive polarities here. You have the feminine and the masculine. I had to find my own masculine side, my own power. I had to become self-sufficient. So this is now connecting me to myself so that I'm whole. I'm a more whole, I'm a whole human being because of now all these years. Now it's been 13 years since it happened. So this is me coming into my own wholeness. The, the, the funny thing to me, and I say funny in a kind of a laughter way, but also in like a, a harmonious way, is that the Synchronicity Foundation's intent is to bring balance to each yeah. individual. Well, that too. There we go. Because <laughs> you have the balances. And you, you un unfortunately, I'm going to say you didn't find your balance until after all this horrible experience of yours but they're on the streets of mumbai and literally as well as figuratively in mumbai you yeah. became a, a whole person as a result of all this and you had the symbols right there in front of you from before and from afterwards the king that's and the right. queen that's a yes i yeah that's i had that's beautiful yeah and you know my first meditation teacher which is maharishi maheshogi of tm fame um, he used to say life is for to be enjoyed, and it's about 200% of life, not 100%, 200, inner and outer life. So I spent all that time up until these, you know, even as a, you know, cultivating my inner life, even as a wife and mother, I've just still had a very strong spiritual practice, you know, a couple, one or two hours a day, cultivating that inner life. And um, since then, it's been about cultivating and enjoying the outer life, being able to enjoy it fully. Now, I did gain the inner strength to do it in a beautiful way, which I'm very grateful for that, for the resilience it gave me. Yes, I just wrote that down, 200%. Uh, I, I'm, I'm into like fun myself. Uh, <laughs> and. I'm in. I'm into a kind of fun that's the that I that's the learning entertainment interface. Yeah. There's fun in learning. There's fun in continuing to expand. Right. And I've come to recently recognize that part of the expansion requires conflict, requires obstacles, yes. requires yep. bad things to happen. Because out of the ashes, the phoenix rises. You become. Right new again that's it the crack and all that and here's a here's the crack a cute... and the cosmic egg is that what that was yeah i mean and and here's a kind of a cute coincidence from mumbai about having fun because by 2013 five years had gone by i thought i thought just because i'm trying to 
can do this mission and I'm trying to share a message of love and peace, I can still have fun. It doesn't have to be quite so serious. And, and so I thought, I'm going to start having, I'm going to start having fun. So I go to Mumbai and um, it's interesting because we, you know, when we, we make an intention, it's very powerful because the, um, so the general manager of the um, hotel, they, they had, as part of their contribution to my being there, I was allowed to stay at the Trident Hotel, um, which also was attacked. It adjoins the Oberoi, it's a business hotel. So I was given free accommodations and a huge discount on food and everything. And he, um, they came to me and said, we wanna give you access to the executive club lounge because you'll have more privacy. You can invite, have meetings and have guests up there and so forth. So because of that, I had some interesting elevator meetings. I decided I wanted to have fun. So there were two things there. One, open the paper, because we get the paper delivered every day there, Times of India. And I'm looking, I'm, I see this little ad for a bookstore and it's the cat in the hat. The cat in the hat, Dr. Seuss. And uh, I actually thought, I didn't realize, I thought Dr. Seuss was gonna be there, but he was already dead. But I decided, I said, I'm going, I'm going to meet the cat in the hat. Um, and so I, you know, go to this thing. And I did, I got my picture taken with the cat in the hat. And he, he was reading from cat in the hat to all the kids. I was one of the few adults there. <laughs> and it was like, it's fun to have fun, but you have to know how. So on my way back later that evening at, you know, dinner time, I go up in the elevator. And there was a woman on the elevator with her little dog, her little dachshund. And she was young, and she was a, a British Indian woman. Her name was Priya. And um, we were just chatting and we were both on our way to the club lounge. And so we're chatting and saying why we we're each there living at the hotel. And, and I was telling her about various things and she goes, well, I'll be, and I told her about seeing the cat in the hat that day. She goes, I'll be your fun person. I'll be your friend. I'll be your fun person. So she was one of my first friends that were just, just for fun. It wasn't about meetings and creating projects or peace events or anything is like, let's go to the movies, you know, and come have breakfast with us and that kind of thing. And, and I started hanging out with her and her husband. So that was fun. <laughs> That's true. Put out that intention and there it is in the elevator. <laughs> But you got to start talking. That's that's what you can't just stand there in the elevator. You got to talk. Exactly. And, and, and one I, of the key things about making stuff happen is to act. Chit chat is um, more than just chit chat. It creates connections. Can, and those can, are heart connections from just the most unlikely thing. Yeah. From just the most unlikely thing. Uh, it's it's making it's yeah, it's doing that. Well. You are describing your heart connections, which I will also include mine too, because the mind is all mind Please. and heart yes. have to go together. And yeah, I'm I'm of the male persuasion. And I <laughs> really yes, I am. And I tend I tend to go with my mind first, but my heart is there too. Of course. And then then the more female is the heart first and the mind first. I mean, it's kind of generally that case that way. But yeah. you put heart and mind together your mind helps direct your heart and yes. in doing this connection among hearts you are 
illustrating one of the attempts of the coincidence project, which is to illuminate the invisible connections that uni unify us as beautiful. people. That unify Such us. Such a beautiful, yeah. And it's only one way. I mean, but it's an everyday way to have your husband assassinated and your daughter is the long, hard way of having to do that. But it right. leads to a deep, a deep connection because of the way you describe what happened with people. It, it was a long, arduous journey. Yeah. But you've done it. But as we were talking about this beforehand, I ran across an article in, in a psychiatric newspaper <laughs> that described Indra's net. Ah. And I knew I was talking to you two days later. So I said, huh, maybe, Perfect. We'll, maybe we'll do Indra's net discussion here because I didn't realize as clearly as I do now that you have experienced and are experiencing your place in that web that jeweled web that is indra's net so please describe indra's net as best as it, it's a hindu concept as far as i can tell and at least comes out of india and tell us what indra's net means to you right and i'm not a scholar on this so i'm not All, coming that's from just that fine. that's just good you're an so, experiencer um, of it a scholar could give us a lot more detail. And my experience when I first saw it and, and read about it was, oh, yes, of course. And the reason I understood it is because, you know, we're all, and this has to do with the underlying consciousness that underlies life, because we're all, I mean, like as a human being, we're conscious of this, that, that I'm conscious of speaking to you, I'm conscious of X, Y, Z, conscious of. My experience in meditation is we, we, go, we go beneath that surface and we begin to experience stillness, silence. And there's some stillness, there's some beneath the thoughts, beneath the noise. And the most beautiful, clearest analogy is about the ocean. So you go beneath, there's the ocean. But so the ocean of consciousness is what connects everything. And on the surface, it's only one ocean, but yet, you know, and the waves are all, you know, there and they're all individual waves. And so I understand it that way is that we are both, you know, the, we contain that consciousness, that pure being, we contain that. And at that level, we are, that's where one, we're not the same, but we're connected at that level as one, because that is the ground of being, we could say, the ground, the source of it all, the source of awareness, consciousness, life, energy. There's, there's that that's there. And then, at, you know, at, as it comes to the surface, there are infinite amount of variations and permutations of its expression infinite and and then the net shows the jewels which are those expressions and and those reflect each other we all reflect each other we you know there's so many reflections and we see ourselves and and the, and i think in the buddhist tradition it's these it's something about the mirror reflection of mirrors actually it's a similar thing mirrors are more and more important in the way i'm understanding reality that yes coincidences 
uh, are often uh, mirrors where you look at someone else experiencing something that is something like what you're experiencing and you can see in them yourself. Right. That the, the jewels in Indra's net are situated at the places that the, the lines of the web of the net come together. So right there at those connections is a jewel. Yes. And that, if you look at, and there's, the, there's jewels at each one of these intersections as you look around in, infinitely. But if you look at one of the jewels and look at one of the facets of the jewels, one of its sides and look into it, you'll see another jewel. And as you look at that jewel and get into it, it will also look like the web you just come from. So you go into one of the jewels and you find the same thing again being repeated infinitely. So there's more web, there's more jewels, it's and it just keeps going and it and it keeps going on. And we can access that. The jewel is probably our hearts. Yes. And the and the 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 web part is our mind. It's, it's the geometry that holds the heart or holds the jewel. Beautiful. I think that's a beautiful way to describe it, Bernie. And I think the heart is the jewel because that, to me, that's my experience since the attacks happened. That's where people felt connected. They could relate to a stranger because of a loss that they could relate to. They knew how they would. It was just something there. Another kind of a side coincidence re regarding hearts too is my daughter um was you know um she was very motivated she she um she had already been talking she was applying to a private school and talk she she just said i i really she wanted to become a heart surgeon she wanted to become a heart surgeon so that she could save lives I said, that's interesting, Naomi. Why? What inspires you to be a heart surgeon? Oh, I want to save lives. She wanted to save lives. And um, so that was where she, you know, wanted to direct her education um, and start studying and, and go to medical school and all of that. So it's just interesting that um, she, in her way, she, her, through her death, she's fulfilling her experience to connect hearts and which possibly can save some lives if we can use that that story and that message that will come from it in all the different ways that we can connect hearts and remind people of their heart connection that it, it will save some lives possibly when people learn and remember about that connection and learn that we are to respect the dignity of life in ourselves and each other, despite the differences, so that we can resolve things without any kind of violence whatsoever. I almost hear Naomi saying, and let all hearts beat as one. Oh, beautiful. Yes. And let all hearts beat as one. Yes. Because when we, if we, if we look through that lens and live through that, feel through that then and, and that starts with each of us of course in our own lives that's what we really have influence over the most is our own lives let that have its ripple effect but remember that people are leaders government 
is comprised of human beings. Business, corporates comp are comprised of human beings. <laughs> They're not their own entity with their own. They don't have a soul or a heart as a, a thing. But if you break it down, there are human beings in there. Um, and if they begin to operate that way, they will operate in a much different way. And we need that. That's what we need. <laughs> we so, need. <laughs> but so I, I just say we just have to start from where we are and we create the effect. And eventually human beings are the ones that are going to get elected. They're the ones that are going to run companies and run their companies in different kinds of ways and govern their cities and states and countries in different ways that respect the dignity of life, knowing that bottom line is that we are going, you know, basically, and then base decisions on all of that, whatever they may be, we don't know. How can coincidences help that vision of yours happen? I think it's, yeah, it, because coincidence, re it reflects connections. And once you begin to, like, just from interacting with you over email in the past couple of days, and I'm thinking about, okay, this is about, our theme is about coincidence. So let me begin to, I begin to notice the coincidences, and I was remembering coincidence that I hadn't before, that actually brought some more meaning and understanding to me about my life. And then I'm, and then I'm just noticing even more. And I think that it just starts to grow. And it, different things start to happen. Now, here's interesting. I, just this week, I, I, I happened to write about the story of Nyla Alam and her family in the book. But uh, last week, she emailed me out of the blue. I had who, who, is, who is she? She's the Pakistani woman who visited Synchronicity with her family. And then I went to their house a couple years later um, after Naomi and Alan were killed to visit their family. And that was an interest. That was a beautiful experience. But she emails me out of the blue. I hadn't really heard from her in months or a year and saying, I want to talk to you about some plans I have. Okay. So we're arranging times to talk and and then just out of the blue, the excerpt from The Wire is printed and they chose to share that story in their excerpt, in the book excerpt. I have no control over what someone's going to excerpt. They just write their stories to promote and write. And that's the one. And it was about Nyla Alam and that story. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's it. And. I imagine from what you've told me that there are lots more of these coincidences happening for you since Mumbai. Um, oh, since yeah. That it, it just breaks your world up. So you start thinking and looking at different ways. Just the idea of not just being internal, you had to become external. You had to get out of just the internal life, which you were deeply involved with, and, and look, start looking around, which is bringing East and West together, because those are two different kinds of mysticism, the, inter the going inside and going outside, expansion inside, expansion outside. Yes, and, and as a result, because Mumbai, I, I interacted with a lot more people, because this is very reclusive here. You've been here. <laughs> so sanctuary. So I'm talking to a lot of people all the time. And I think I had mentioned to you 
and I and I said yes to pretty much most of the invitations I received to go and speak at places. So there was I was there in September Peace Day. So okay, at the bookstore across town, it's like takes an hour to get there. Um, in Bandra, it's a suburb of Mumbai. So I'm scheduled to speak along with other people. So I'm going and and whatever it is I said for my 15 or 20 minutes. And then afterward, this man comes up and he said, I knew your husband and daughter. I oh. was the concierge, concierge at the Oberoi Hotel when that group was there. I attended to them. You know, I talked with them almost every day and your daughter was really keen on getting her nose piercing. So I helped find someone to come to the hotel and take care of it there. And, um, and, and that was the last conversation I had with her was about the nose piercing and she sent a photo she had been begging to get a piercing so we finally said okay a nose piercing when you're in India and it was real sweet little little thing that she had it was real cute it looked good um, but that was the last conversation I had and then here is the actual concierge that was there and he hadn't and it was just five years later so he was no longer even working at Oberoi he was now across town in Bandra happened to walk into the bookstore there happened to be this event happening so he wanders over oh that's Kia Cher oh she's that woman she was the oh my god I knew that group so then we had our picture taken which I don't have to show you right now but yeah the, that was amazing there's a there's a kind of partial completion in that meeting for you yeah, uh, it's a it's a little bit like your dream of Jackie Kennedy putting uh, her arm around you. It's it's a continuing form of of condolences of of support of of supporting you in in your loss. So it doesn't feel so bad. It, you're absolutely right. Um, it's very comforting, and um, the Oberoi is a a resort hotel, five star that um, there's there are these things that they're called the Oberoi shops. So people from all over will come just to go to the shops. It's a beautiful indoor, kind of like a mall, very elegant, all marble floors and everything. Very ex beautiful item. Very ex beautiful. Very expensive. Very expensive. Yeah. Very expensive. Yeah. So yeah, you could get a lot of bargains in Mumbai, but not 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 at the Oberoi shops necessarily. But um, beautiful things. So I was there. So I went to all the places I knew they would have gone. So I went to the Oberoi shops, and they're all these out. They're all like you don't walk in a door. They're all open, you know, and then at the end, they just pull down this thing. So they're all open like a mall and you just walk in and there was a little stall and this man comes out and he says, madam, 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 you know, and I guess he had recognized me from maybe newspaper pictures or whatever. He goes, I, I knew your group. I knew your group. Come, come, come in. And then he shows me all his stuff. And and I thought, oh, he's just trying to sell me something. But he had a little altar that had a he had a little picture of um, our teacher, Master Charles Cannon, a candle, and he said, your daughter was here that day with a group of women, and one of them bought her the, a green silk scarf, which I now have, but a green silk scarf, and she was dancing around the halls. She was so happy. He goes, that's how I remember your daughter. She was so happy, dancing around the halls with her scarf. You know, oh, that, all I, this. I, I really love these stories, the bookstore and then the scarf, because it's just Jackie Kennedy putting her arm around you. 
yeah, isn't that amazing, Harry, you know, and so he said, tell everybody, send them my love, and, you know, Harry was there, and um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. They had a a scent shop where you could get these customized blends of essential oils, like this woman would sit with you, and she was very intuitive, and then she would blend up a scent just for you, you know, and um, so I was there, so I walk in, and and again, they, they, they beckoned me over and she said, I create a scent for your daughter. And she goes in her face, she goes, here it is. And she gave it to me and it had Naomi, her name on it. And she said, we carry it in our shop now, you know, the Naomi scent. <laughs> yeah. And then she offered to do one for me just for free. So we sat down and we did this thing. And that's the sort of, Mumbai was magical. Mumbai, Mumbai was magical. Was Boy, you were living Indra's net there. Okay. Oh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, yes, and um, so the, the night that, the day that I saw the King of Hearts, I went to the Indian, and I forced, I, I'm basically, I'm kind of half introvert. I'm not really extrovert, but I forced myself to go. I said, I should go to the Indian business group meeting. They gave me an honorary membership. I should just go. I'll go and I'll sit and I'll, I can always leave early. It's right down the street. I'll take a walk and all. So I did find the card that night, but okay. So I'm standing there and they, they, they have a bar. And so everybody's having a glass of wine or whatever. So I'm just standing there having a drink. And then um, most people there, it's the Indian business group. So most people there are Indians and they're all really friendly. So I'm really comfortable with Indians. It, it's nice, but I was just standing by myself. Um, so this tall British man walks up because it turns out the speaker that night was actually somebody from um, the British council. And so a lot of people from the British business group came to this thing. So he was there and, he, and he's like, oh, how are you doing? Why are you in Mumbai? Because most people there were Indians. So here's a few people. Westerners. Um, and I said, I just, I learned how to, I just introduced myself because that's, I don't do that anymore. If I ever went back to India, I learned not to have to do that. But at that time, my reason for being there had to do with those terrorist attacks. So that is how I introduced myself. I didn't just gloss it over and say, oh, I'm just here to work with schools and, you know, charities and stuff. I said, oh, no, this happened. He goes, oh, my part, I, I live right around the corner from the Taj. I was there during the attacks. I saw the whole thing happen. I was in my flat when the helicopters landed on top of Nariman House to rescue the people from Nariman House. That was one of the places. He goes, yeah, we, were, we couldn't go outside. The streets were bare. I was on my way back for a party, delivered a friend to the Taj. They wouldn't allow her in. She had to get back in a cab and she had to go back over across the bay. And he goes, yeah. So he, he lived right, right around the corner from the Taj, which was pretty amazing. You so were, this. Go ahead. I have something else I want to say. Okay. So anyway, so, um, so that was that. And then the speaker was there. And then right after the speaker, I left. I wasn't going to stay around. I just didn't feel like socializing more, um, even though the tall British man was very good looking. But I, I just said, oh, I'm, I'm done. I left. Then like three weeks later, like two or three weeks later, I go up to the club lounge, you know, and um, 
There he is. There he is. And there he is, because he's sitting there with Ajit, who is this Indian man who lived at the Trident, who was elderly. He maybe he was in his 70s, but Ajit just had lived there for years. So Ajit and I became friends and he would give me lots of good advice. He was boarding school educated in England, so spoke perfect English, but he was born and born in India, but basically raised in England, but back in India and had a French wife and all. He was great, Ajit. So there he was with Ajit. And I went there and said, Ajit, you know, and I thought, okay, I won't bother you all. And oh, no, no, sit down, sit down. So I sat with them. And then um, anyway, and then Ajit said, okay. Um, uh, anyway, the rest of it gets into a different kind of a story. But, it, but basically Ajit left and I was left there with the British man who then we had dinner and really formed a very close um, relationship for about seven years. Wow. Yeah, and it was because of Bennett, uh, as a result, I visited England, London, met all kinds of people. I mean, I was the one who was there and met these people and then, but it was because of that, that I was in these places. And what, because I was in London, this um, woman who is a Bollywood singer sang at one of our huge memorial events, her beautiful, beautiful woman, Rajeshwari Lumba. She was now married to a British um, solicitor um, and lived in London. And out of the blue, she emails me or sends me a Facebook message. Oh, are you in London? I'm here. We must meet me for coffee. And I said, yeah, actually, I am in London. So we met. She goes, oh, I really have to introduce you to a bunch of people. She goes, you're, you really, your work really needs to get out there more. And I'm good friends with the publisher that runs uh, Penguin Random House India, Millie. So I'll, I'll create an introduction. And she did. And, and then Millie's, Millie's writing me saying, oh, I know all about you and your story. Please send me a proposal. We'd love to publish a book about you know, creating peace. Now, a few years later, I had an agent and I was writing more of a memorial, a uh, memoir type book, but uh, Penguin rejected it. In fact, it got rejected by every place we sent it. So I thought, okay, I guess I don't need to write a book, no books. But then this thing came up and I thought, ugh, I'm gonna have to write a book. No way out now, <laughs> no way out. And anyway, here it is, it will be delivered. That's the cover. Put, put it up there more. It's forgiveness is a choice, and it's um, um it's coming at by the time this we're this po is posted our interview it it'll will be have out. been out it'll be out which is December twentieth so uh, yeah. that's that's beautiful um, so <laughs> you can't make this stuff up can you <laughs> no you can't and there you are and it's I I love the how the introvert has become so extroverted but still is an introvert. And yeah, I'm not exactly extroverted, but I feel comfortable anywhere. Believe me, I have, I can't tell you. Okay. In Mumbai, I met president of France at the time, Sarkozy, who turned out to be whatever. But anyway, still, when you're there and he is the president of France, you have a chance to go to some event where he is and shake his hand, you go. I met president Obama. I have a picture with him. He's, I had a little short conversation. He's very compassionate great person. I mean, that encounter, I know we won't even talk about it because there's so much controversy around any politician right now. Probably shouldn't even say it, but you could That's all right. We, we're going to have to have the courage to say what we believe, but 
All you know, I know is that he was president at the time. I'm an American. He comes to Mumbai. I don't care who it would have been. I would have gone to meet my president. And I was there and I shook my president's hand and his wife had my picture taken. And and they were great, as I'm sure anybody who was president at the time would have been, actually, with this story. would have been. It wasn't political at all. So that was beautiful. Um, and so I had to learn to be comfortable around um, all these people who were rich and famous and um, elegant and sophisticated because I wasn't, I was not, but yet I had to kind of get it together enough to, to be graceful in these situations where people are dressed to the nines and uh, all that. And well, you, you've managed it, Kia, you <laughs> have managed it. Congratulations. I mean, I just let the story of the mouse becoming the queen or something like that. That's what's happened here. And that's in my view of it. Now, I want to, I looked at the Mumbai assassinations uh, back around when people were reporting about it. Yeah. And I, I, it gave me an idea that I want to be able to tell you about to, sure. again out of the awfulness can come something good or at least interesting in this case but i think there's something to this my what i read said that the terrorists had headphones on of some kind and were yes. hearing some guy telling oh, yeah. them what to do and yep. that they they hesitated a lot of times particularly in killing people yep and that they were told through the headphones something uh yep. they're doing allah's work or yep. something that made them do it yep and that was such a powerful image to me that mm -hmm. they were getting they were hearing voices is another way to say it yep so, that's true so uh, I began to then think about how when I hear what appears to be voices from outside of me, it's kind of like those guys having the headphones on, but I think I'm tuned into a much nicer um, voice and a nicer source. I love that. That's so true. Well, that's what I, I had my, you know, um, ethereal headphones on when I heard, forgive them, they know not what they do that formed the basis of the path I chose to take. Yes, that's ethereal headphones is a nice name for them. Um, really, it gives it the name, but it's still invisible, but it's still real. And we hear it. And part of what I'm saying here is that for the people listening to us and watching us, hearing voices is not just crazy. It's right. sometimes very good messages. Sometimes you can't tell where they're coming from inside of you right. as intuitive voices or outside of you, but some of them seem like they're not my thoughts. There seem to be thoughts that I am able to receive at this moment because yes. of where I've gone, but the reception is required, but there's still something coming into me that's outside from outside of this me. That's right. And that's where you could see the image of the Indra's net that, so. with those connections that you would expect the, the, there be some communications that could be transmitted through those energetic, through energetic connections. Yes. Because yes. that would be more on the level of an invisible nature. Yes. yes. Uh, good. Good. I think we'll title this in, in, 
Indra's net, uh, I, and I might say murder in Indra's net, um, because that's where we started and that's where we went. Um, and but we've come to, we've come to the end of our time or getting near the end of our time. And uh, was what would you like to help us end this conversation with that you'd like people to hear? Well, let's go back to connecting with hearts. And that has to begin with the connection to our own heart. And I think that that we take however we can get connected to our heart, whether it's through silence, through nature, through music, through um, whatever inspiration, whatever inspires our hearts to bring attention to that, nurture it, love it, let it grow. And then what, whatever expression comes out just comes out. I think it just... It, it, it's it, that's what I'm noticing is that you can't really even predict how it will want to be expressed. But once you get charged up with that, it's the to me, that's the ultimate recharge is to get recharged, a heart recharge. And, and how, let the, how can that be facilitated in relationships with other people? That heart recharge. Well, that would be connecting with other people spending time with them, you look into their eyes, you just sit with them. It, it can even be in silence. Hearts connect in silence, not necessarily through words, but sometimes sharing conversations. And, and actually, even like, you know, like the elevator conversations where it just chit chat, because you're chit chatting, but something else is going on underneath. And you are connecting with hearts, if you're willing to if show up, so I think a willingness just to, to go somewhere, um, which is what I do now. I, I live by myself or when I find myself staying in different places and I'm by myself, I go out, I go to restaurants by myself, I go to movies by myself and, and I have conversations with people. I'm not trying to make friends necessarily, but all those different conversations happen. There was a, um, a meeting someone, it was a heart math, you know, a heart math global conference I attended. And then um, they had a breakout room and the introvert in me said, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll leave, maybe I'll go now. But I thought, uh, let me just show up, just going to show up. I don't have to say anything. I will show up. So I showed up and there are about six of us in that breakout room. And you just introduce yourself, your name, where you're from. So people are from all different places, even different countries, a couple of people from outside of the U.S. Um, I'm here and one woman is in there and she's from Charlottesville, Virginia, which is, you know, our neighbor. That's where you are right now, Charlotte. And we both went, oh my God, Charlottesville. She said, I always wondered what synchronicity was. And we agreed to um, connect afterward. And we started Zooming every week after that. And now she's one of my best friends here. It's amazing. <laughs> We become very good friends. I talk to her all the time. She was just here last Saturday. And um, oh, that's, I'm not going to do it, but I want to start singing. You got to have heart miles and miles and miles of heart. <laughs> when the crowd so, is saying you'll never win, that's when the grin should start. Beautiful. See, and just a simple smile connects hearts. Don't have to say a word, but go to a grocery store and smile. Just walk around or go anywhere. If you just want to give something to your day, um, that's a way of blessing yourself and the other person. Just 
show up, walk around, connect, make some eye contact, smile. And I think that's a beautiful confirmation that you've just made to world peace. <laughs> you don't even have to think of it that way. You could just say, and then you never really know what could come of that because all kinds of things emerge unexpected. And, and, you, and you have shown us by your descriptions of what's happened to you and is happening to you, how all kinds of things emerge. That's and right. When you're feeling resisted, that's a sign that you should just go. You should go. <laughs> just go anyway. Go. Yeah. Don't just hang out in your room. Don't just stay home. You're supposed to go. You're invited to something. Go. 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 <laughs> well, you came, you came to our interview, and I thank you very much for, for being with me and with the people who will be watching and listening to us. Uh, there's a lot in what you say for people to learn from and understand. So thank you very much for, for talking with me today. And thank you, Bernie, for facilitating this um, conversation, heart-filled conversation about heart connections. You're, you're welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. This psychosphere is a mental atmosphere like a consciousness